0: Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Embers Collective podcast. My name is Sean Kidd and today I'm going to be telling you a story called The Oaks Blessing. We are lucky enough to have live music from Telltale Tusk. Lying in the grass, she stared up at the canopy of trees above her. The light danced through the branches and played in a multitude of green, picking out the veins of the leaves. The rough furrows of the oak's bark stretched up and up. And somewhere, birds were singing. She ignored the weight on top of her, focusing only on the green light and the brown bark as her chest became colder and colder. There is a small tidal island off the north coast of Wales, surrounded on three sides by the ocean. The sea's waves dictate access, wild horses roam free, and on the sand dunes, surrounded by tall grass, the wise ruins of an old church patiently crumble with time. The island is so beautiful that once, a very long time ago, It gave a woman the strength to turn heartbreak into healing. Doinwen was as beautiful as the moon. She had the stars in her hair, the skies in her eyes, and to look at her was as refreshing as a cold drink on a hot day. She was the youngest of her father the king's 24 children and as such, she was a powerful, wealthy and privileged princess who enjoyed the luxury of court and the freedoms of prosperity. Now, if Doinwen was as beautiful as the moon, then Mylon was as handsome as the sun, features carved from granite and eyes like the ocean. To look on him was as tempting as freshly baked bread on an empty stomach. He was a servant of her father's, and as such was a penniless, quiet, sweet-natured lad who worked hard and lived simply. And doinwen had noticed him, for it's hard to ignore the son, And of course Mylon had noticed her, for who can ignore the moon? And whenever Mylon was close enough to Doinwen, he drank down her beauty and he smiled and smiled. Those granite features sculpted into a face of pure happiness. Shy looks became shared words, and shared words became past notes, and past notes became secret meetings. She said that she was taking the air and he said that he was hunting, but really the two would secretly meet in the nearby wood between a great old oak. And there, hidden by trees and bushes, they spent their stolen time together hand in hand, stealing kisses, promising themselves to each other in sweet notions of togetherness. And they smiled and they smiled like shining sunlight and glittering moonlight because they were young, and they were beautiful, and they were in love. The king had great plans, as kings often do, to marry off his youngest daughter when she came of age, in a complicated political deal with a neighbouring kingdom, which he hoped would gain him both power and land. And the man he had in mind was a clammy, bald, little North Walian prince who was limp as a wet cloth, but rich as a fruitcake. Doynwyn had no idea of any of this, as she was so distracted thinking of Mylon that the whispers, the whispers in the court passed her by, as did the months leading up to her birthday. Eventually, the day came when Doinwyn came of age and there was great festivity and celebrations. And the day after, when the food had all been eaten and the drink had all been drunk and the great hall swept, she plucked up the courage to talk to her father and she arranged to secretly meet Mylon by the great oak tree afterwards. Her father the king, was relatively unimposing in his kingliness, and being an inexperienced parent and statesman, very little flustered him. But when his youngest and most beautiful child came to him coyly and asked if he'd give his blessing for her to marry a servant, he listened, pursed-lipped, slowly welling with fury. He burst out in anger, proclaiming Mylon a treacherous scoundrel and a low-life peasant who was way below the standing of a princess. How dare he even talk to you, he said. He will never have you, he said. He told poor weeping Doynwin that he planned to dismiss the young man in the morning, and then he took the opportunity to inform her that she had been betrothed to another more suitable, older, richer man, who she would marry within the month. Poor Doinwyn. She ran, crying to the great oak, and there, patiently waiting, stood her mylon, smiling. But, on seeing her so upset, he lost his smile, and when she told him what her father's reaction had been, his face became tense and distant, He gripped her arm and he told her to repeat what her father had said. Her arm hurt as she repeated her father's words, and as she did, Mylon's features twisted in fury. Dismiss me, after all my years of service, but uh, that's an outrage, how dare he, but how dare he say that you're beneath me? He thinks I'll never have you. Well. I have you now, and with that he threw Doinwen to the ground. Mylon, she implored, stop, look, calm down, I'll talk to him, all will be well. But all was not well, and Mylon would not be calmed. And He fell on Doinwen then, and those hands so often turned to honest work. They spread over her body like mould, her protestations falling on deaf ears, And there, beneath the great oak's branches, her trust in him melted like snow from a fire. Lying in the grass, she stared up at the canopy of trees above her. The light danced through the branches and played in a multitude of green picking out the veins of the leaves. The rough furrows of the oak's bark stretched up and up somewhere. Birds were singing. She ignored the weight on top of her, willing it to stop focusing only on the green light and the brown bark, the green light and the brown bark until suddenly her chest became colder and colder. So cold in fact that she became breathless and looking down she saw that where had once been mylon there was now a block of ice, cold wet and heavy which she pushed off her, slipping onto the grass Doynwyn got up from the floor and backed up against the oak tree staring at the frozen figure of Mylon, the shock of it all twisting into a ball, small and hard as an acorn she could not move she was rooted to the spot and so she closed her eyes and gripped onto the trunk of the tree, tried to steady her breathing, wished that it was all a dream but it wasn't real, it couldn't be but she opened her eyes and turned there was Mylon frozen with that she felt nauseous her vision blurred and she did not remember falling onto the soft earth in her slumber she heard the creaks and rustles of the oak above her bend and curve its branches about her into a great safe nest and there in the comforting woody darkness she heard a voice Old as soil, calm as stone. I am here, Doinwen. The oak, your witness. All is well, do not fear. I heard your call and I am here to answer you. He can do no harm now. Be calm and tell me how I can help. Doinwen thought of my lawn the man she'd so loved, who'd so harmed her. And despite his crime, she couldn't bear the thought of him just melting away. So she whispered into the darkness, Don't let him melt. She thought of their love frozen as he was, and then she remembered her father's cruel words. So she asked a little louder, Never let me marry. Let me... Help all those true lovers. Help me help them as I was not helped. And Oak, oh, please let me forget. Take all this away and erase my memory from his head. He will have no more of me. Free me from this and of him. I cannot feel this. I'd rather know only the earth ever again and the pain that I'm feeling now. And the oak's great branches tightened a little then, into something like a hug. And the leaves outside rustled as that calm old voice spoke again. Know that I, and all that know me, hear you. All you've asked for will come to pass, and from this point forth, you will know all that I know. Each ancient secret a root in your heart. I give to you, the gift of the earth. It is yours, to protect and to heal whom you choose. And with that, the oak released Doinwen and it bent back up to face the sky. And as the sunlight came down and warmed her face, Doinwen awoke, alone and new. She looked around the wood with new eyes. Each plant bent its face to her. Each root beat its rhythm to her. Every herb, flower, weed and berry winked and glistened and beckoned to her. It was as though the wood had come to life. It was guiding her. She began to walk, brushing her fingers along the lichen in the hedgerow and feeling its power. She kept on walking away from the oak through copse and glen, past briar and birch, until the air changed and the land thinned and the taste of salty coast stung her lips. The sea, the last wilderness, stretching out beyond her was the twisting coast in all of its rugged beauty. And still she walked. Each step let her connect with the cycles of nature and the phases of the moon and many of those past until her hair grew long and silver, her skin grew brown and loose and the beauty of age cloaked her with affection. She was never cold, for she'd always find dry kindling or pine cones for fire and she was never hungry because whenever her belly tightened, The sparkling pull of the nearest fruit or mushroom waved her over. And she never needed more than the land beneath her feet. And that was always there. One day the coast led to a beach. And the beach led to a spot with a view of that coast that she had walked along for so long. And there, it was so beautiful and wild that she stopped walking. And that spot was Landwen, that small tidal island surrounded on three sides by the ocean, and there, among the sand dunes, by the tall grass, she started to build a home. Rock by rock, day by day, the sea her only witness. And people began to visit her there, that wise lady by the sea for her knowledge, her oils and ointments, her teaching and her kindness. And many of them stayed until a little village sprang up around her, for the people felt that she was different, special somehow. Others traveled very far to meet her and sought out her guidance or her herbal healing. And throughout the centuries that followed, even when Doynman had long since returned to the earth that she knew so well, People would visit there and talk of the power of Landwen Island and the wise woman that once lived there. And I suppose that's why Dwynewyn was made a saint. She's named Santos Dwynewyn and she's known as the patron saint of lovers in Wales. And if you ever go to visit her island, go and find the little well that's near to the small crumbling church and peer into it. And if the fish living there swim up to the surface, why? Then you have a true lover. And if not, well, don't worry. Know that Doinwin and, well, I guess the whole universe are watching over you. Spend some time looking out at the sea. Feel that ground beneath your feet and the wind in your hair and know the beauty of that place. Maybe you too can heal. For what better connection is there than nature and spirit? It is quite simply magic.
1: Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you. Um, we are recording currently in my warehouse in uh, Fountain Road in Tottenham. Um, so, if you can hear any odd noises clattering around in the background, they are my housemates and the various people that live in and around me. But in the room, we have Sean and Fiona and Ray from Telltale Tusk and Tim and myself. Um, we did have Anna from Telltale Tusk also, but she has disappeared. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sean, can you tell us a bit about where where you kind of found this story and and what what made you like why did you go for this story?
0: Yes, it was it it I was told it actually a friend of mine. I worked um, on a on a show with a with a friend called Davith, and he's obviously Welsh uh and he told me about the okay i always say this wrong maba abanogian Mab- see you you know it um and there's a series of, of myths and we were talking about gathering stories for valentine's day and he told me about the welsh version of valentine's day which is st doynwin's day which is on the 25th of i think january uh and he told me about the story behind it and like as with like lots of those myths and legends, they're very very short. It doesn't really tell you a lot. It just kind of says that there's this princess, and you know she's the patron saint of all lovers in Wales, and you know she looks after everyone. And I was like, oh, that's a really nice. That's nice, isn't it? That's nice. But then you do some research into the nice story, and you're like, oh, there's quite a large gap there in that bit. What what nasty thing happened to mm-hmm. her? It doesn't really say. There's lots of different versions of the story, but the main one is just that she kind of fell out with her father and this this guy and on doing a little bit of digging and because i got quite interested in it you know you you undercover a kind of a darker side of history really which is i think a really common theme in in uh, many traditional tales uh, about kind of the abuse or or victimization of women and i kind of thought it deserved to have a bit of a bit of re-looking at and a bit of expanding on um and i kind of made up a lot of the the bit about her becoming a healer, Um, to a certain extent, I think she actually became a nun. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought that was slightly less interesting. And I think in the old story, she's visited by a kind of um, Holy Spirit type situation, Hmm. which again throws a whole different, for me, meaning on on everything. So I definitely uh, made up a lot of of that bit. But yeah, I just, I thought as a story, it was interesting that she's sort Mm -hmm. of inadvertently become the patron saint of lovers and actually the reasons behind why were very questionable to say the least mm. and it's a difficult subject to talk about mm. um and i guess i kind of fell into to deciding to do it um for those reasons i guess yeah
1: right. i i think i i always find when you when you've told this story that and, and we've discussed this i think when you were first putting it together but you were wondering how to present um so the subject matter and and the way you did it sort of from a different perspective that is actually quite beautiful and then when you actually realise what's happening it, it's quite a quite a shock in a way mm. but I think that's that's a very powerful yeah it's a very powerful way of presenting it kind of I remember when you guys performed it and I was just blubbering crying in the corner oh. like <laughs> oh. at, the, at the show because <laughs> I knew I knew where it was going
0: yeah, it's a, it's a it is it is difficult, you know. Undoubtedly, it's a difficult thing to talk about, but it but it does come up a lot, mm. you know. And it's almost like quite often, it's the the way it's told is very kind of like not emotional. It's kind of like an act, but actually, I think, you know, as a woman and 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 sort of, you know. I think that especially now in this current climate, having actual conversations about the significance of these stories, mentioning um rape or, or or sexual assault or you know neglect or any of the other horrible things that happen to women in myth and legend um I think it's important I think it's important yeah. that we begin to actually acknowledge that it's not always okay for a 12 year old to be married off to an old ugly man um or you know or other things or at least kind of face it and and be honest about it in a in a in a current way. And I think one way of doing that is by not making it like even more traumatic to describe. I don't mm. know. I've I've seen some some stories told with with a an element of that, and and almost like they go down the route of it being really awful. And you can't you just it's a bit like the monster, isn't it? You don't need to see it always for it to be really scary. Mm. We all know how unpleasant um, that can be. Um, well, I mean, we don't all personally know. I hope people don't know, but you know, we're aware of the trauma involved in those things. And I think mm. talking about it in a way that's, I think, more from a woman's perspective or, like, that disassociative perspective mm. felt um, felt like a, a, a more gentle way of approaching something very, very difficult. I don't know, maybe it's not. Maybe other people feel differently. It's just my interpretation of it. But, yeah, I definitely think it's important to start to face up to those things and talk about how they're reoccurring, which I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm on my own with that. No. No. Exactly. Shaking <laughs> head <laughs> They can't
1: see that <laughs> we'll hear it. Maybe they can hear it yeah. no, it's, It sounds like this Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just shaking your
2: head like
1: So how was the How was writing the music for it? So it was actually the first podcast we've done Where I wasn't involved in Writing the music This is Tim speaking uh, Which was really interesting for me And really fun to watch um, how was it for you guys I know Anna was Anna's not here and she was kind of the main part of it but you, you guys did some other stuff anyway for the witches event we did mm-hmm. so maybe you can talk a little bit about that and how you found working with our storytellers and
2: yeah that that was interesting because we got we got half of the full story and um, not very much time it was it's really it's really fast the way mm. you guys work mm. um, so I guess everyone had to get used to that. <laughs> like, here's a story, you've got half an hour, write all the things. Yeah. It was like one of those mad school projects where they're like, make a wedding dress out of newspaper, you've got fifteen minutes, and you're like, oh. like a bit like that, but in real grown up life with, you know, actual you know, this is this is like a job. It's actual real job you guys just invented. Yeah. Yeah, so there were was it four? four stories when we did it so yeah. there there were four of us performing so each of us took um uh like a, the lead in um knowing the format of the story so we all kind of wrote the music together some people had more you know input on that in their stories than others so yeah we just sort of shared the the load really mm. and um yeah, we, I think we thought we were doing the music with you when we said yes. Did you? And then <laughs> Tim was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you go, you yeah. go. You well, do, it, was our, it was our first
1: all-female show.
2: Yeah, um, it
1: was. So no, obviously, I wasn't going to be in
2: it. I feel like
0: we should mention the show. We did a show,
1: we um, have, I think we have done it on another podcast, but yeah, t- say it anyway. So, uh, it
0: was part to contextualize that conversation. Yeah. It was part of an evening we did called Witch, which was themed around obviously the theme of witch, hence her, her nature, uh, her connection with nature at the end. But, uh, Telltale Tusk worked with four storytellers, um, each around that theme, and I worked with Anna who has who's not here um and it was really interesting actually to be given that uh, you know one person and one Mm. you know one story and one person and they're really different as well that was the other thing that was really interesting about it
2: that coincided really nicely as well because I'd been researching I'd been researching about the English witch trials which were not as like big and dramatic as the American ones there, they didn't burn people they did hang people mm. um, but yeah I'd written a song about that and we got to trial that out for the first time mm. and we we slipped Scarborough Fair in as a little, oh, yeah. a little ditty because it mentions Parsi Sage Rosemary Thyme and obviously it just, with the persecution of women who practice medicine it mm. just, um, and it was almost completely eradicated at the time because the church was very keen to do that so that kind of fit in really nicely with your story on yeah. the night we did that so
0: it's yeah. a bit of a lost knowledge actually I've just finished a course in herbalism and it's one of the things we talk about a lot is this idea of losing that knowledge and that connection and I think it's the fear of what's there and, and you know traditionally women were herbalists and they had to be they had to have reached menopause a lot of the time to to be credible herbalists which kind of ties in with this the story and where I was going with it this sort of old I suppose you could say archetypal ideal I think of that when I think of a medicine lady I, th- I do think of that kind of like you know bits of lichen in your hair <laughs> and like amazing things in jars like green and brown jars but it does tie in those ingredients I think we spoke about it didn't we and yeah. how each parsley and sage and rosemary and time will have really significant both folklore and, and meaning within healing mm. So it was a nice connection, and that song was really beautiful. Oh, thank
2: you. <laughs> I had no idea they so people would be training from like their whole lives to be mm. a button, like to 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 get to herbalism. That, to, herbalism. Yeah. No,
0: some cultures. I'm not sure if it's quite the same in the UK. I'm I'm no expert. Mm. I'm, I suppose I should shout out to my teacher. and um, I've just finished a course with a lady called Rashika who runs hedge herbs, which is the most amazing. Um. She's just an amazing teacher and uh, she does sort of foraging walks and is a herbalist and works with herbalists without borders and just learned an incredible amount in a very short sort of period of time. And she's the person who told me about that. And I think it may have been from another culture, actually, that that's the case, not the UK. But there's something to do with the wisdom of of not being, I, I don't know, I can't remember quite how she described it. Um, how the menopause brings on a knowledge that you know is a respected thing. I don't know what that is. It's all ties in with the crone, I guess, but that's probably a whole other podcast. Well, we we <laughs> I
1: I was um, in Exeter at the weekend and we were talking about cultures that are entirely um, ruled um, by postmenopausal women Amazing. and they make all of the decisions. And if someone's not doing their job right, they just go over and say you out, going to get someone else in to do it. And, and it, th- those are the yeah. That's the power structure. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. It's very interesting because we really have lost it. And I think when you think of... I think of healing as a kind of magic, really. When I think of that, that's kind of... It really is. And that we've got it around us, you know, this time of year especially.
1: We were talking about it as well, where in stories so often, um, those wise women are... are very much portrayed as ugly or mm. or as nasty or something to be afraid of yeah um, and even the word crone there's not even there's not actually a main male equivalent for crone really mm. which is and crone is, is kind of a neg- has a negative connotation to yeah. it yeah. like nobody would want to be called an old crone would you like it's no. it's like oh god don't call me that um and and that representation and I think your stories all, all of those stories on those night were really great in that they they sort of portrayed powerful women without having to be scary apart from baba yaga which you know obviously you can't she's terrifying you can't have a a witch's night without baba yaga i think um but yeah it's really important and but though like you're saying those motifs appear again where especially in the greek stories women are either like crazy or or Scary or (laughs)
0: absolutely, yeah. These archetypes crop up again and again, and actually, it really, it really pisses me off. Mm -hmm. I've started to get really cross about it, and we've started to have quite a lot of conversations. Myself and Alice Torrance from Story Jam have been really talking a lot about this and how it's a reoccurring theme. And I think it's not just us. I think there's a bit of a zeitgeist around this at the moment. We
2: have the same problem with folk with folk songs when we're finding folk songs where women. They didn't do anything. They didn't have anything. They, I mean, they did, but it wasn't written about. So the, the most the surviving folk songs about women are about lost love. Yeah. The men get all kinds of exciting things to sing about, and we just get left these, fade, mm, yeah. simpering characters. Yeah, yeah, and you do, and feel they so, weren't. Yeah, no, no and,
0: and we don't. It's really annoying. I kind of feel like there needs to be more of a a kind of nod to that, and like, and also the archetypes of like if you're young, then you have to be beautiful and mm-hmm. obedient and uh yeah and and and, as you've said, like you know then, if you're the mother, then your whole agenda is through childbirth, mm. and therefore that you know, and then the crone comes in, and normally they're pitched against each other, mm. so you'll have a like the wicked witch who's jealous of the young beautiful person, mm. and there's no you know there's certain characters in in myth and folklore that that that's just a reoccurring thing and there's a really interesting article I read recently about um, Maleficent from mm-hmm. Sleeping Beauty yeah. and her backstory and how that the feminist angle on that was taken by Angelina Jolie. You know, her role where she was actually regained Totally her. justified. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. She was a woman who was really annoyed and rightfully angry and had every right to be a massive bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, fair play. And it's just that thing. And I wonder if, you know, it's, it's difficult to do with with tales that you don't know well. And to a certain extent, you know, it's a Welsh story. um, And I think she's really loved and revered and people fought really hard to bring back this heritage, Mm. to acknowledge her as this figure of love. And actually, you know, that started a bit of a conversation, I think, amongst the Welsh. Um, I mean, please let us know if I'm right. Anyone listening who is Welsh, (laughs) who hasn't, I'd be fascinated to know. Um, if it's something you've heard of this this angle, um because I think that's that's part of it as well. It's like if you're fighting really hard to bring back something that's been lost already, is it then right to question whether you should include the bit that's not very nice or mm. what do you do? how do you frame it? you know
1: mm.
0: uh, very interesting yeah,
1: I think it's important to include it rather than writing that stuff out and changing it for for our modern values Uh, and and it doesn't these stories don't sit very well with us Mm. but it's really important to portray them because it it carries on from a continuum into the stuff that's happening today which is still happening around the world but let's say in this culture specifically you know thankfully most most of the time women aren't married off at 12 to to an older man um but it's in in our yeah in our culture but it's important to remember that that all of the problems that we do have today are part of that same historical continuum and mm. just writing them out sort of doesn't, doesn't play Yeah, it doesn't help. It doesn't help anyone, I don't think.
0: I should have made her a nun. <laughs> nah.
2: We nah. have a we have a folk song that's about actually in like off we realised after we started doing it it's actually about street harassment, really. <laughs> I mean, it's written from the man's point of view and he sees this woman, he thinks she's beautiful, he he asks her he wants to clap his hand on his cuckoo's nest which oh, is obviously aww. he wants to have sex with her and this goes on for several verses with her going no, 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 no and then in the end she says yes they get married and it's supposed to be like yay this great love story and actually we've started putting a disclaimer before it going this is not romantic in case you think <laughs> yeah. it is it's actually like Horrible. basically street harassment but yeah. in the 1600s but we're going <laughs> to sing it because it's fun <laughs>
0: It's really interesting. This You always have to have a bit of a disclaimer. I think they get so mis... Yeah, there's some really important figures that I think have that. Um Medusa. Medusa's one. She had a horrible time. Did she? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she also was... I, I'm not an expert on this story, um, unfortunately, but I believe that she was uh, mistreated really horrendously by the gods, and in a way, her punishment is very symbolic, that... Not only is she repulsive to people who might be bothering her, but if they do, then she literally turns them to stone. And there's this reoccurring theme about men being, like, you know, turned frozen or turned to stone. or And that's the same in, like, you know, if you think about Narnia and the White Witch, there's this theme there that when they're powerful enough to stop it in its tracks, why? And then it's almost like that's what we lose in the mm-hmm. process of the story becoming, you know, being saved. We lose the bit about them having the bad thing happen. They just become... A figure that's, that's terrifying there's very yeah. really loose knowledge around these stories that I'm putting into this podcast apologies <laughs> <laughs> for anyone listening like,
1: the loose knowledge yeah. about Expert. stories <laughs> <laughs>
2: it would really suck to have an illness that made you turn people to stone like, really <laughs> and then on top of that, people keep on coming to kill you. And you're like, get back, seriously. Like I will not, you know, I, I will can't kill look you. At you. But I might really yeah. like you. <laughs> I'm not threatening you. I'm gonna turn you to stone if you let it's not threat, it's not threat. Get out. Like,
0: <laughs> Please leave. I've got a terrible headache.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, um, I think we'll leave it there for this one. Um thank you so much for listening and thank you to Ray and Fiona and Anna from Telltale Tusk for joining us it's been absolutely yeah, beautiful thank you. Um, and make sure to check out our Facebook page and our website and our Instagram and Twitter for all uh, upcoming events and um, we have lots coming up over the spring and summer so keep your eyes on it and we'll keep you posted uh, thank you so much for listening thank you Bye. Bye. Bye.